You're with The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. $326 billion. That's the compounded value of Black land lost during the 20th century. That number comes from a team of researchers who published a scholarly study last year estimating the wealth that disappeared from Black lives as land was lost from Black hands. At the turn of the century, Black people owned more than 16 million acres of farmland. Today, more than 90% of that land has been lost. And, uh, you know, you, you can't leave your PhD to your children, but he could leave his poor raggedy farm to his children. My name is John Boyd, founder and president of the National Black Farmers Association and a fourth-generation farmer from Baskerville, Virginia. Of course, calling it land loss suggests that Black farmers somehow misplaced their acreage. Loss obscures the widely documented reality that Black farmers have faced overt, systematic racism from the USDA, the very agency that was designed to support farmers. And Black farmers have not simply passively accepted the loss of their land and livelihood. In 1997, North Carolina Black farmer Timothy Pigford filed suit against the USDA. The case settled two years later with a promise to pay $50,000 and provide moderate debt relief to about 13,000 Black farmers who could show proof of experiencing discrimination. But thousands of those claims were denied simply for missing the filing deadline. During that time, Black farmers continued to lose land. A few years later, in 2003, John Boyd Jr. hitched a wagon to his two mules, named 40 Acres and Struggle. They rode all the way to Washington, D.C. And I rode my mule and wagon there, my two mules, Struggle and 40 Acres, uh, 280 miles to Washington, D.C. to protest uh, Black land laws, the uh, lack of loans and subsidies. Uh, to black farmers. And that case that we filed in Texas uh, was pretty much lost in every federal court. All the way up the Eastern Corridor of the United States, we lost in Georgia and Texas and South Carolina, North Carolina, we lost in Virginia. And by the time we got to DC, I said, well, if we lost there, then I'm just going to try to resolve the black farmer cases through the Civil Rights Division at USDA. But that string of defeats seemed to end in 2010. Judge Paul Friedman, who heard the case and said he wanted to hear more about the discrimination that uh, Board and others had brought to the court in Washington. And that case was settled under the Clinton administration for $1 billion. And then 83,000 Black farmers missed that filing deadline uh, because the government won on a motion that they did not have to notify Black farmers about the case being uh, heard. So 83,000 came after the filing deadline. And we were able to get that resolved under former President Barack Obama under the Claims Remedy Act, uh, December 8, 2010, that paid out $1.25 billion to uh, Black farmers. But this victory did not bring the relief that farmers sought. And that whole time period, uh, Melissa, we were trying to get debt relief, uh, injunctive relief in both of those lawsuits, and we failed to do so. So every farmer who was meritorious never received their land out of federal inventory, nor received debt relief. Then in March of 2021, it seemed a real solution was possible. Congress included $5 billion to address this discrimination and provide debt relief for farmers of color during the COVID-19 crisis. Two years later, 
farmers are still waiting. Because last year, a group of white farmers brought suit in federal court, claiming that this set-aside for farmers of color within the American Rescue Plan was an act of reverse discrimination. Since then, Congress has repealed and replaced that provision. And black farmers continue to lose land. And they're still losing their land today. And that's what's so uh, frustrating about the whole movement uh, to save black farmers in this country. You know, here Congress can put laws in place to protect uh, the brown bear, the black bear, uh, the bald eagle. They put laws in place until their numbers come back. And here it is, the oldest occupation in history for black people, which is farming, whether we want to recognize it or not, from slaves to sharecroppers and surviving the horrific laws of Jim Crow. We survived all of those things, and we still can't be treated equal by our own federal government. And when the government repealed debt relief, uh, the the $5 billion measure for black and other farmers of color, it also opened the door for uh, guaranteed lenders uh, to step in and start foreclosing on us. And I reached out to uh, other leaders in in, in Washington, uh, uh, the leader in uh, New York, the Senate leader, uh, reached out to uh, Clyburn and others to ask them to put in place a farm moratorium that would include uh, direct loans at USDA, guaranteed loans, and other agricultural lenders. And that measure still isn't in place today. So while the administration said they're helping us, they really haven't because we're still losing our farms today. And that's that's what's been so painful about the whole Black Farmers Movement. While we're getting partial victories every 10 years, we're still losing land at three times greater rate than any other race in this country. John Boyd Jr. describes what Black farmers are facing as an existential crisis. We've fallen so bad till we're facing extinction today. So at the turn of the century, we were one million Black farmers strong in this country, tilling 20 million acres of land. And today we're, we're less, uh, less than 50,000 full-time Black farmers in this country uh, to the tune of four and a half million acres of land. So we're facing extinction, and that's why I've really been uh, trying to turn the pressure up and go on a public awareness campaign, letting people know that people, we're, we're facing extinction. And if we don't want to put uh, laws in place to really help us to survive, there won't be any left. And in Mr. Boyd's analysis, the USDA has failed to be accountable for their role in this possible extinction. Well, 39 years now, I've been trying to get something fixed. Not one person of significance at USDA has been fired for the act of discrimination. So here we have uh, $2.5 billion that's been paid out just in the Black farmers case, not to mention the Native American and Hispanics, but not one person has been held accountable except for a black woman, I believe, Shirley Sherrod, who got fired for making some statements. But nobody else, uh, no white person uh, uh, at the head of the Farm Service Agency and uh, Melissa in in, in, uh, 1998, that person, uh, the highest official at USDA, called me the N-word, went to court and admitted it, and they still didn't fire him. They said long as he didn't say it repeatedly. Uh, So this is the type of discrimination I want the listeners to understand we're not just out here saying we're asking for something. Mm-hmm. We've been mistreated, we've been discriminated against, we've been overlooked, we've been dogged. And for the black farmers who are still on the farm tilling the soil today, my hat's off to them. They're some amazing individuals. 
Stay with us. When we return, John Boy Jr. tells us about the latest battle in this long struggle of black farmers. It's The Takeaway. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're with The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry, and I'm still with Mr. John Boyd Jr., president of the National Black Farmers Association. Black farmers have finally gotten to a point of getting some potential debt relief, and then that gets halted because of a suit filed by some white farmers. Can you tell me what's going on with that lawsuit right now? Well, you know, it's very disheartening, Melissa, because in, uh, this year marks my 40th year at uh, you know farming in America, on America's soil. And I've never once in my whole 40-year career sued a white farmer or sued a white farm organization blocking any aid that they were qualified for or any relief because of the act of Mother Nature. Never chose to do that. I've only sued the government saying we want the same as white farmers. So I was very, very, very disappointed at that particular point in history where not one farm group called me, but they immediately raised enough money to file 12 different complaints and 12 different federal court houses across the country in various states, raise the money to do it, hire law firms, uh, find the farmers and file it in these courts. And here we here we are. Uh, uh, I've been out here 40 years and I've really had to scramble to defend ourselves in, in federal court and to try to intervene in these cases and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but since uh, the government repealed the measure for for debt relief, it looks like we're pretty much at a stalemate in court. And since that time, we hired attorney uh, Ben Crump to represent us in federal court on behalf of those 16,000 plus black and other farmers of color because the government broke his contract with black farmers where we signed the agreement, sent it back in, and then the government repealed it. So we see it like 40 acres and a mule, but just another empty promise and that's why we turned to the courts to, to file suit to, to say the government has to make good on its promise to pay black and other farmers 120 percent debt relief. Not a dime less it, it is what we're looking for in federal court. But the point I'm trying to make is, is shame on those white farmers, uh, knowing the history. And uh, they never want to talk about the whole history uh, of, of why blacks were here in the first place, one to be <laughs> slaves and then sharecropping uh, uh, and Jim Crow. And all these horrific laws that we had to abide by and sharecropping where we uh, at the end of the season, we owe the the white general merchandise store and the white farmer money. These are things that we had to overcome, but they never want to take into account that part of history. Listen, it's so important because we don't call enslaved agricultural workers farmers but they were. I mean, they were the farmers whose agricultural skill and talent and labor built the country. I do wonder if part of the problem is we just don't even see black farmers when we're looking at them. We don't. And I tell black people when I speak in these churches and other civic groups, uh, 
every black person in this country is only one or two generations away from somebody's farm, uh, whether they want to attest to that or not. That's where we came from. And we would never we would never rectify it for the act of slavery. And I see this as a continuation of uh, Jim Crow by denying debt relief, the 120 percent uh, to black farmers. You've got Ben Crump on the case now. Do you have a sense that this might now have a different outcome than so many of the other moments of what seem like they're going to mean relief, but then have rarely actually gotten to the farmers who need it? I do. I do think that we had a different time in history, especially from a a public awareness standpoint. You know, here we have uh, clearly a broken promise by the United States Department of Agriculture and Congress. Uh, because Congress is the actual uh, government entity that repealed it. And to have Ben Crump on a case uh, has certainly been a leg up for us. And I was uh, glad that we were able to have a conversation and and him see the terrible injustice uh, that was done to America's black farmers. And this time was a bit different, Melissa, because we have a, a contract where black farmers signed it, The USDA spelled out what the terms was. They encouraged black farmers to go out and make improvements to their farms, all things that thousands of black farmers done. And then at the last minute, when it was time to pay, they pulled the rug from underneath them and said that they're not going to do it. And again, I see it as a continuation of 40 acres and a mule where they make these promises, these significant promises. But when they actually see how it improves the lives of blacks, they say, oh, my God, we can't do this. And white America says, oh, my God. We can't do this. And when I say white America this time, I'm speaking specifically to white farmers who saw it so that we went to 12 different courts to block it. So I'm I'm not just making a statement. They made it for themselves when they found when they filed those complaints in federal court. So I'm hopeful that a judge or jury will look at all of the facts and say, you know what? These people have have continued more injustice and, and they want to make it right or fix it through through court action. What would it take for the USDA to repair the relationship with black farmers and to provide some meaningful restitution going forward? I would say, first of all, stop having commissions and studies uh, to see, one, that uh, we're facing extinction and two, that the numbers have uh, gotten worse uh, from as far as participation in the U.S. farm subsidy programs and all of its lending programs have continued to go downhill. We don't need a study for that. And when monies are made available through an act of Congress, that's very, very hard to do uh, for the secretary not to drag his feet, but to roll the money out the same way like they've done it for Ukraine. They sent money to Ukraine farmers with no strings attached, no RFP, no congressional hearings, and they did it with swiftness and accuracy. They gave them equipment. They gave them seeds and fertilizer. All the things, the infrastructure that I've been asking for black farmers for nearly 40 years was provided to Ukraine farmers with ease. And we can't get it in our own country right here in the United States. That's the type of sweeping action that the government needs to provide black farmers if they're really serious about making sure that we're able to to stay on our land and pass on our generational wealth uh, to the next generation of farmers. With all of the saga, I, I don't want people to look at uh, black farmers with pity or sorrow. I want them to look at us with a very proud population, simply seeking justice 
And sometimes uh, justice doesn't happen quickly. But uh, I want them to know that I'm never going to give up. I'm, not, I'm never going to give this fight up. And I'm in it to win it. And uh, with God's help, we're going to win it. It's, it's just going to take a while. Uh, but we want people to start talking about this for athletes and uh, persons who have significant followings on social media. Start talking about it. Start supporting the National Black Farmers Association. That's what they can do to help us in, in this fight. Public awareness. Tell, tell the story so that their children know the rich history of black farmers in this country. Mr. John Boyd, Jr., is president of the National Black Farmers Association, and he is, folks, active, working, everyday farmer. Mr. Boyd, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for, for having me, and, and God bless you, and thank you for following this very, very important story. Mm-hmm.